Welcome back to Eurovision Legends. I'm starting to slowly recover from the Melfest season and various other hangovers. So now it is time to treat you to another interview with an important person from the history of Eurovision. Today we will be speaking to a woman who I have been chasing for two years. Stalker alert! And who was one of my personal favorites back in 93 when she tried to drag Eurovision kicking and screaming into the 90s with perhaps the most modern song to date. Or at least it sounded very modern until the orchestra got its hands on it. Since a song like Hombres is perhaps not the most suitable for the big symphonic sound. She was predicted to win and was the first person to explicitly sing about sex in Eurovision. But definitely not the last, since today it is staple of the contest and one of my favorite topics. Yes, you heard me right, see, singing about sex was considered scandalous back in 1993. Since my knowledge of the Spanish language is limited to the words sexo and scandalos, I've also invited my very good friend Rubens Palistero, who helped me with the fabulous research for this episode and is here to help me and Eva Santa Maria to understand each other, despite being slightly challenged by technical issues. And for those of you who have forgotten me, I'm your luxurious player, Emil Lövström, and this is Eurovision Legends. Eurovision Legends, Eva Santa Maria. Hello. <laughs> and welcome, my dear friend and interpreter, Ruben Balestero. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you wish to help me here, since me and many of my listeners are not are fluent in Spanish. Uh, it's my pleasure to help you. <laughs> and I'm so glad to finally get in contact with you, Eva, after trying for two years. Eva is really pleased to be here and to, to take part in this in this podcast and to talk to you, Emil. Lovely. I was seven years old in 1993 when I watched you perform Hombres on the television. And believe you me, I have been a fan since. No me lo puedo creer. She says she can't believe it. <laughs> I always warm up my guest with some quick questions to loosen up. Are you up for that, Eva? Of course. <laughs> Name drop three songs from Eurovision history you really like. Eres tú de España. Waterloo de Suecia. Euforia, de Suecia también. <laughs> Favorite song from Spain in Eurovision besides Hombres. Eres tú, de Mocedades. Least favorite song from Spain in Eurovision. 
El chiqui chiqui. <risa> Uno, el breaking dance. Dos, el cruzadito. Tres, el Michael Jackson. Cuatro, el Robocop. Baila chiqui chiqui, baila chiqui chiqui. Lo bailan los heavy, también los friki. Who should have won Eurovision but didn't? Eh, por España, Betty mi ciego. Comprenderá que no hay dolor cuando se tiene la dicha de vivir y un corazón que compartir. Anabel Conde. Pastora Soler. Totally agree. Great songs, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who should not have won Eurovision but did? Eh, pues, yo soy de la she says she's of the opinion that if a country wins, it's because they deserve it. She doesn't think there is a country that has won, that has won it without deserving it. Great answer. Favorite song from Georgia, 1993, besides your own song? <laughs> Ruth. Jacot, Netherlands. Lovely. I was afraid that you would say Norway since I've heard that you have said wrong country before. Sí, porque... Eh... That's because both <laughs> countries start with an N. <laughs> <laughs> Last quick question. Who do you want to see compete for Spain in Eurovision next year? Monica Naranjo. Oh, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And what, what a voice. Yeah, I love Lily too. <laughs> <laughs> Great, we survived the first part. Vale. <laughs> uh, Eva, what is your first memory of watching the Eurovision Song Contest? 
Pues mi primera memoria de ver el so her recuerdo of watching the Eurovision sí. was in France in a in a town near Marseille that's uh, a place where her family migrated and that's when she was one year old. Oh. Mm -hmm. Sí, yo me crié en Francia. She lived in France until she was eight years old. Y mi primer idioma fue So French was the first language she learned, even before Spanish. Okay. Are you still as fluent in, in French? No, she doesn't, because uh, once she returned to Spain, there wasn't really any school where she could keep up with French, and she didn't have really friends to talk to in, in French, so she... She just, um, she did stick with Spanish. Okay, I see. Uh, were you dreaming of competing in Eurovision there yourself one day? No, no. Okay. Porque... No, she, she no. says she wasn't a very good singer at that time. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, according sí. to... Okay. <laughs> according to Google, you released your first album in 1989, titled Desnudame. How did your artistic career start? Mi carrera musical empezó so, uh, back in 1986, when Eva was 15 years old, uh, she took part in a local contest in the town of Puerto de Santa Maria, which is in the province of Cadiz in the south of Spain. That's where she's from. So her father entered her for this contest called Nueva Gente, which would we would translate as New People. And she won the contest. Mm, okay, yeah. And two years later, after the first album, you released a new album in the, for that time, very modern genre, Eurohouse. Senorita. Shall we listen to what that sounded like? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you have any favorite songs from the album Senorita yourself? Luna. Luna. My favorite song was Luna. We play yes. Luna here. Okay. Two years later, in 1993, you were internally chosen to represent Spain. And the story of this happened is so interesting that we must mention it. As I understand, the record company submitted your application without asking you. And they asked you first when you had already been selected. Is this story true? Sí, es verdad. Totalmente cierto. Pues, eh... So she had, she had just arrived from LA because she was recording there her album and then one, as soon as she arrived in Spain she started preparing her promotion, her gigs with dancers and musicians and then when she was in Madrid in a hotel and she remembers exactly the date, that was the 6th of March of 1993 
she got a phone call from her record label, and it was early in the morning. Actually, she was still in bed. Where they asked her if she would mind representing Spain at the Eurovision Song Contest. But, uh, she was still a bit sleepy, so she didn't really realize if it was true or not. <laughs> so then her answer was like, "Any singer would love to do this," and that's uh, and the response from the from the record label was. Well, thank God you said yes because we've entered you and you've been selected, and that's how she found out that she would represent Spain at the Eurovision. Lovely story. But how was the song chosen? No lo sé. Fue selección. So uh, she doesn't really know how the song was selected. Uh, at that time, it was uh, really an internal se selection by the Spanish television RTVE. Um, so all she knew was that several record labels used to present a song that hadn't been published before, hadn't been edited, and she doesn't even know who she competed against. And she thinks Ooh. that at this time it's better not to know it. Well, then we skip the next question. Then uh, the title of the song was "Hombres," and it was composed by Carlos Toro, who has written many songs for you. And I've learned that the lyrics for the song "Hombres" was written after a little dispute you and he had during a trip to L.A. Sí, es verdad. <laughs> <laughs> What happened there? Claro. <laughs> Pobre Rubén, te, te voy a hacer trabajar, ¿eh? Porque... I'm taking notes. Ok. Yeah. Estábamos en... Both uh, Eva Santamaria and Carlos Toro, they were in L.A. back in 1992 because they were working with the producer Christian de Walden who really liked her voice and he wanted to get involved in... So they were invited to L.A. to record her album. So Carlos and Eva were very good friends back in the time. They even traveled on the same plane. And um, when they were in L.A., Carlos used to love uh, all sorts of aviation museums and all sorts of aerospace-related uh, things. So Eva used to go with him to all the museums he wanted to visit. But there was one day when Eva really wanted to go just shopping and buy new clothes. So she asked him to go with her. But then he said, no, that's a women's thing. So I wouldn't go with you. I don't have to go with you. Then they started a fight, a verbal fight, in which she said to him, you men are all the same. You're all selfish. You're all sexist. Then the next day, he just put a piece of paper on, on the table. Um, he showed uh, to her like a text he had written. Then she asked, what is that? And he said, well, all the things you said yesterday to me, but with rhymes and in verses. And that's how the, the lyrics of the song were born. <laughs> a lovely story. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love I love this story. Todos los hombres son tan egoístas que han confundido macho con machista. Todos los hombres son tan presumidos que han olvidado ser agradecidos. Ellos son así por naturaleza. Do you mean that you could decide the song? I know that the song was internally chosen, but did they choose from several songs that you and Carlos had done in L.A.? No lo sé. I don't know. 
Okay. Mira, eso sí lo digo bien en inglés. <laughs> a music video was recorded for the song, and I know that you have some funny moments from that video recording regarding a guy who was supposed to uh, kiss you. <laughs> Please tell us. Fue fue muy gracioso. So everyone remembers uh, the situation was really really funny. So the the, the music video was recorded in uh, in Madrid. Uh, so the near near the train station Atocha in Madrid, there is an abandoned train station, and that's where the the music video was recorded. Yeah. So for the video, they selected five or six gorgeous men. Eva insists they were gorgeous. And then there was a scene when one of them had to kiss her on the neck. Yeah. However, the man, they, the model they chose for, uh, for that kiss was, according to Eva, the ugliest one. <laughs> he was not the prettiest one, and he was even a bit bold. <laughs> so she just kept looking at the other ones, and she kept wondering why, out of all these men, I have to get the ugliest one. Also, Eva hopes that he doesn't get annoyed if he if he listens to this, and she's sure that nowadays he's another gorgeous man. <laughs> Te quiero, Eva. <laughs> This is hilarious. Gracias, Emil. Thank you, Emil. <laughs> Emil, que esto es súper gracioso lo que acabas de contar. Es que, eh, además, os tengo que decir, es la primera vez que lo cuento. No lo he dicho nunca. <laughs> She says this is the first time she tells this particular story. She's never, um, she's never said anything about it. <laughs> Thank you for that. Gracias por ello. Oh my god! Next year, it's been 30 years since you competed in Eurovision with Hombres, and there was a word in the lyrics that was at that time quite controversial. Do you remember? Sexo. Yes. Yes, this Sexo. was yes, Sex. yeah. This was actually the first time ever that the word "sex" in any language was had been used in the lyrics for a song in Eurovision. But did you yourself reflect on the fact that the song was groundbreaking for its time, not only for the word "sexo" but also for the feministic theme of it? In aquel momento, no. So um, she wasn't really aware. She didn't even know that the, that was the first time the word "sex" was included. She only found out when once she was in Mill Street and in all the press conferences. When she was there, there was a lot of people. She did not really understand why there was so much interest in her song. Also, she wasn't really aware of that. She doesn't even think the the song is a feminist uh, song. She only considered the song just a very fun song that tells a story starting from an argument between men and women. Then it end up, ends up saying that uh, men and women cannot live without each other and that this world wouldn't, wouldn't just go on without men and women. And uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't see the, the feminist side of the song. She thinks that the feminist movement came um, many years after, after her song. But she really thinks uh, in Mill Street, she, she felt a bit judged by, by the song. She was seen as a, um, that her song was a reivindication when she actually just thought it was just a fun song. Well, it is an anthem today for feminists and also for, um, uh, for like, like a gay anthem. Sí, sí, sí. That's lovely. 
Yes, she has discovered after the years that, uh, that maybe the song was a bit ahead of its time. Yeah. That's what you, I mean, said before. Yeah. Eurovision in 93 was held in the small Irish village of Mill Street. Uh, Eva, what are your memories from the Irish countryside? Muchos. <laughs> Please tell them. Mill Street. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Mill Street, uh, as I saying, is just a town of 1,000 um, inhabitants. Yes. And she thought that the fun funniest thing uh, that she found out that week is that they put the first traffic lights just because they were hosting the Eurovision. <laughs> so she found that really, really funny. Yeah. She said that because it was such a small town, there were not enough hotel rooms for all the artists. So they were in a hotel a few kilometers away. So every time they had to go to the venue, It was about an hour journey on the bus. Did they live in Killarney? I, I don't know. ¿Cómo se llamaba el pueblo del hotel, Eva? Killarney. No recuerdo. Killarney. Puede ser, puede ser. Sí. It rings a bell. It rings a bell. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> she remembers the contest was uh, held in an equestrian center. Yep. And she is sure they did clean it thoroughly, and they put lots of perfume and 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 nice smelly things there. But the reality is that the smell of horse was still there was still there during mm. the contest mm -hmm. she, they couldn't get rid of it okay <laughs> i can understand yeah <laughs> on stage you were a tight red dress with the black fringes what can you tell me about the outfit in her life she's learned that her life is just not an ordinary life and she keeps laughing nowadays with all the funny things that ha ha have happened to her and she's got a good sense of humor about it she says that for the dress they were um, thinking about different options one of the options was a black dress that she had in mind designed by Versace but her favorite option was by her own designer who sadly passed away last year called oh. Antonio Ardon who was yeah. the the designer for one of the most famous singers ever in Spain called Rocío Jurado yeah. and he did a few sketches however both the record label and the Spanish television they decided that she she was going to use a dress by uh, the designers Vittorio and Luchino from Sevilla And she couldn't say no because they were um, covering the costs. So she had to go with what her record label and the Spanish television said. I see. Do Do you know if it was expensive? Do you know how much it cost? Sí, 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 lo sé. 500 mil pesetas, 3 mil euros. Yes, she remembers it was about 500,000 pesetas, which would be nowadays 3,000 euros. Okay. Well, I've seen that you still perform in it on some gigs, and can we agree that you will sell it to me if you ever want to get rid of it? Okay, okay, Emil. <laughs> I in that dress, then we talk sexo. <laughs> <laughs> Lo tendré en cuenta, eh? <laughs> she'll, she'll have you in mind. <laughs> Um, 1993 is actually remembered for several outfits. The Greek singer Katerina Garbi performed in a gorgeous blue dress without any panties. And the Belgian singer Barbara Dix 
self-sewn dress was so ugly that it even gave name to an annual prize that is still to this day awarded to the artist with the ugliest outfit. No, 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 no. She feels sorry no, for Barbara. No, vamos a ver. <laughs> Pobrecita. Maybe, maybe sewing wasn't her, her field of expertise. <laughs> you can at least say that, yeah, yeah. Yes. Boss, <laughs> I love your I love your laugh, Eva. I love your laugh. Le encanta tu risa, Eva. This was the first year Bosnia Herzegovina, Croatia, and Slovenia com- competed as independent countries, and it's quite remarkable mm-hmm. due to the fact that the Bosnian delegation fled to Ireland from the war-torn city Sarajevo and risked their lives to participate. Terribly enough, we see similar things happening right now in Ukraine. Do you remember how you and the other delegations were affected by the participation? No. Well, uh, Eva rem- remembers uh, really well uh, those three countries, and actually she says that, that they were really welcome and they were actually embraced, just like a mother embraces their own children. And uh, and actually, they, it was the first time that 25 countries took part in the Eurovision. And she actually she does remember how uh, what a warm welcome they received by every other country. What she remembers is the Croatian delegation because her dressing room was just next to them, and they were rehearsing continuously their own song. Don't ever cry, don't ever cry, never say goodbye, never say goodbye. <laughs> and um, she was telling at that time, she reminds us, that uh, she used to call her mom and on the phone she said, Mom, I remember better the Croatian song than my own song. <laughs> and she had the fear that at some point she would forget her own song because the chorus of the Croatian song was just going on and on in her head. <laughs> and um, what she does, she insists on the fact that they were uh, really, they received a, a warm welcome and that's what Europe does. And she has no doubt that nowadays, with what's happening right now in Ukraine, Europe again will do the same thing. And that's actually how she felt as an Andalusian who moved to Madrid. She was also very well welcome in, in Madrid. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, did you become friends with anyone from the other countries? Yo no, pero mi bailarina sí. She didn't, but her female dancer, she did. Okay. Uh, any details? Scandalous. Estábamos en Estábamos en los ensayos. Well, she remembers that um, during the rehearsals because some countries were rehearsing one day and some other countries were rehearsing another day and they didn't really get the chance to meet all the countries until really the the final night. Yeah. However, between rehearsals 
they, uh, her dancer uh, really connected very well with one of the German artists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, Eva was just uh, being really warning the dancer, saying like, what, what, what is there going on between you and the, and the German artist? Because she saw some flirting going on. And, she, and Eva even asked her, you don't speak any German. How can you even talk to him? But the dancer insisted, don't worry, we have our own way to understand each other. <laughs> yeah, well, the language of love is... Uh, <laughs> it's speaking by many people, yeah? It's the idioma del amor. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, did anything more happen behind the scenes that you can share with us? Ah, sí, bueno, pues, eh, el último día, el viernes, el festival de, de Eurovisión era el 15 de mayo. Que era well, Eva remembers that the final evening, which was on the 15th of May, well, the, the day before, in her final rehearsal on Friday, just because she was very, she had been very focused on her performance throughout the whole week, she only realized on Friday that there were many screens around the venue where they would display the rankings according to some polls that were taking place there in Mill Street. And then she realized in those polls she was in the second place right after her own favorite, the Netherlands. So because she had been kept uh, very isolated throughout the whole week, she does remember very well the moment when she realized that she was repre representing Spain and uh, the odds in the venue were putting her in second place right after her own favorite song. Hmm, yeah. We must talk about the new arrangement that the song got with the orchestra. decided to rearrange the song? Pues, realmente no lo sé. Eva doesn't really remember who made the decision about the arrangements, but she does remember she was accompanied by the fabulous conductor Eduardo Leiva, who we have seen in several Eurovision entries. Yep. Um, the only thing, the only instructions she was given were that only six people could be on stage and also that no pre-recorded music was allowed. That's what she had been told. Yep. Therefore, they decided to have two backing singers, and they came from LA. Their names were Kenny O'Brien and Leila Hoyle. And then she had three dancers. And one of the dancers, she's telling us, he's the son of Betty Misiego, who okay. represented Spain in 1979. Oh. Um, she, of course, understands that, uh, according to those rules, she was told, uh, and a symphonic orchestra had to play live and of course she understood that it was impossible to transfer the sound of the track of the recorded track into a live show with an orchestra and the all the nature of the rap song was going to be lost so she just had to work with what uh, was given to her but she still shows her respect to Eduardo Leiva the conductor of the orchestra well, to be honest, I've always liked the song in both arrangements, but 
Yeah, well, the modern vibe that the song has in its original form somehow flew out the window, even though the orchestra did its best to emulate it. Mm-hmm. Sí. You weren't alone on the stage. You had three hysterically wild dancers and two more calm backing singers that we talked about before. Did you make a good team? Sí, sí, porque nos llevábamos muy bien. Uh, of course, the two backing singers were really, really professional and they sounded exactly like the voices in the recorded version. However, she thinks and she can say now that some of the decisions uh, made uh, for that performance were not the right ones, especially from the dancers. Apparently, there were some, you cannot really change a, a, such an important performance, according to Eva, uh, last minute. She says the choreography was, was deci- they decided to change the initial plan uh, in the last minute. And then that's the performance we saw. But what was the, um, the performance from the beginning? What did they change? Eh, <laughs> pues... <laughs> This sounds funny. They had a choreography well prepared and planned from Spain that they had been rehearsing for a long time. But then in the hotel where they were, and she mentions in the hotel, there were only rabbits and shamrocks. Of course, we were in Ireland. <laughs> and uh, there, uh, in, during their re- internal rehearsals, they decided to change the initial plan, the dancers. And that mm, kind of changed also her mindset for the performance because she was so focused and I think and she thinks that that affected her performance. How were your nerves on the final night? No dormí. No pude dormir. That night, the night before, she did not sleep at all. Uh, She was only allowed to have one person uh, from her family going with her to Ireland and uh, it was her mum. Okay. And and she remembers she spent that night without sleeping with her mum next to her. And another anecdote she remembers from that night was that at 3 a.m. she receives a call in the hotel from the Spanish delegation and they were just going to tell her, uh, okay, Eva, you know you are second in the polls, but you need to accept that you're not going to win. Of course, Eva asked, but why is that? And they said, well, Spain cannot afford hosting this show again, so you just need to accept that we are not going to win. So then Eva felt um, that the only thing she could do was focus on her performance and that that was what she did she just uh, focused on delivering a good vocal performance and that's what she did well you mentioned the betting odds before and that you were ranked among the favorites to win and a victory for you would have paid eight to one what did you think yourself about your chances to win So Eva didn't really have um, any thoughts about her own chances to win. We need to understand that all the artists are kept in a bubble, so they they don't really know what's going on there. Um, However, knowing that, uh, finding out the night before that uh, Spain didn't really want to win, according to the delegation, she just wanted to, to give a good performance, and she can say now that she's proud that she has represented Spain at the Eurovision, and she has given it all uh, on that stage, and she just hopes that in the future the Eurovision Song Contest will still be the, fe- how we call it in Spanish, the, the uh, song festival, the, the yeah, uh, celebration for the songs. 
Yesterday I checked the Swedish newspapers from 93 and they wrote that your song was probably too modern for the juries. Do you think that was the case? Sí, 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 creo que sí. <laughs> yes, she, she agrees. She thinks it was too modern, yeah. Uh, Ireland won in uh, what was to become a trend. The United Kingdom were second, as usual. And Switzerland third. What's your opinions, Eva, about the top three? Eva does not really remember the songs from the top three, but she thinks that if the juries chose those songs, they deserve it. Um, however, she finds it uh, somewhat suspicious that the venue chosen for that Eurovision was uh, decided by a multimillionaire and uh, the fact that Ireland won the contest that year makes it look like there were some <coughs> political reasons behind it and she fears that that has been also a trend throughout the years and that is a shame forever. Um, Spain with Hombres got an 11th place with 58 points. Were you disappointed? Mira. So she she wasn't really disappointed as she she's guessing that none of the countries that didn't win uh, was especially happy. However, because she's from Cardiff and got a good sense of humor, she prefers to see her 11th place as a double first place as it won one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, what were the headlines like in Spain when you got back? I mean, did the new did the did the newspapers treat you different after this result? Bien, bien. She remembers the press were were not particularly um, offensive to her. She doesn't remember any nasty episodes. They were quite nice to her. That's what she remembers from the press. Oh, lovely. What happened in your life after Eurovision? <laughs> After the Eurovision, Eva has never stopped singing. However, she has um, gradually moved away from the world of um, record labels. She doesn't really want to go into details and doesn't want to tell us why. Uh, however, then she found her true passion, which is theatre. She has been doing already nine pieces of theatre in all these years. And in every single piece, she sings, she acts and she dances. And that's what really makes her happy. She doesn't think she's going to go back to the world of re recording companies because she doesn't believe in the business. So she doesn't feel like she's going to record more music. Okay. Well, that's sad. But I, I have listened to your last, the latest album, 
quite much. Uh, the title of the album is A Buen Puerto. And my absolute favorite song on that album is Gitana Pura. What's your relation to your latest mm. album, Eva? <laughs> so Eva has fond memories of that album. She remembers uh, and back in those days you even recorded an album in vinyl. So she's got, she's even got it with her. And she thinks that nowadays is a shame that artists cannot really record full albums like it happened back in those days. They just uh, record and release singles and they use uh, digital platforms. So she, she thinks something is missing from that time. Then she also talks about the song you mentioned, Emil, Gitana uh, Pura. And she says that song was also created in, a, in the recording studio in Los Angeles with Christian De Walden and Carlos Toro. And she um, always compares the recording studio with the kitchen in which all the ingredients start appearing. And that's how that song was created. She mentions the fact that she wanted to give it a really, really strong flamenco vibe, but uh, she wasn't allowed. They were telling her that she had to drift into the pop vibe a bit more. Back in those days, she was a very obedient uh, person, and that's what she did. But uh, now, she says, when you're about 50 years old, um, you can make your own decisions. And she now regrets not having, not, not having been a more rebel person when she was younger. Hmm, okay, I understand. Well, we play Rita Napura here. Okay. Love this song. <laughs> I love it. Fabulous. <laughs> You have been part of the Spanish jury to choose the winner a number of times. And I believe it was 1997 with uh, Marcos Lunas and 2002 with Rosa. What has that mm -hmm. task been like? Wow, impresionante. <laughs> impresionante. So Eva has good memories again about this experience. She thought it was fascinating to watch the contest. She felt like she was watching it there just behind a, a glass wall. And having had the experience before as an artist, she connect, connects even more with her colleagues. And she only felt a bit sorry that she had to give points to the other countries and she wasn't allowed to give points to the Spanish artists. So. Was it foul play in your jury? No, se jugó limpio, muy limpio, sí. No, she says everything was really transparent and it was it was fair play, definitely. Okay, great. I ask since you said it before that um, the Spanish uh, the Spanish delegation told you that you couldn't win in 1993, and then I <laughs> thought that uh, the delegation talked to the jurors that they shouldn't vote for your <laughs> song. 
No, no, para nada. Para nada. Además, el año de Rosa, yo recuerdo que había interés en ganar, ¿no? Exacto, sí. Eva remembers that particularly in 2002 there was really an interest in winning because Rosa had come from this uh, TV show and, and there was um, it was really hyped the Spanish uh, entry that year. Yeah. However, she remembers that because the juries vote and they give their scores based on the jury show that something happened to Rosa that evening, that in one of the verses of the song she forgot the lyrics and she thinks that affected her score as well. Mm-hmm, okay. Have you been offered to compete in Eurovision again or have you submitted something by your own initiative? No, no. Y, y además no lo haría. No, y además, perdón. No lo haría. Ah, no lo harías, vale. ¿Por qué no lo harías? No. Well, she didn't, she didn't uh, really try it, but, and she wouldn't do it. She I would see. never uh, represent Spain again. How often do you sing Hombres Today, Eva? Uh, <laughs> bueno, últimamente... So, uh, Eva sh says that because of the pandemic, she hasn't been able to sing the song as often as she would like to. However, it's still part of her heart and of her soul. And she says that uh, not everyone knows the story behind the song. And because she's a very positive person, it brings back some really good memories. And she likes to laugh about it as well. I always ask my guests as the last question, who they think I shall invite to the podcast. Who did you suggest, Eva? Uh, e e Españoles o extranjeros? Porque yeah, why not? Yo tampoco yeah. estoy... Yeah. Tell, tell her that we only have had Baccara. Madre mía, las conocí, she remembers fantásticas. she performed with them three years ago for oh. Gay Pride in Madrid, and ah. she got to know uh, to know them there, and yeah. it was wonderful. They were they were lovely people. Yeah, they are lovely. And but sadly, one of the original members died last year. Sí, hace poco. Sí, sí, lo sé. Yeah. Oye, Rafa, Rafa, eso es letras en mayúscula, ¿eh? Rafa, eso letras en mayúscula. Mi madre es súper fan de Rafael. <risa> Fíjate, si mi madre es fan de Rafael, que mi madre tiene, mi padre, mi padre tiene celos de Rafael. Eva mentions as one of the suggested artists, Rafael, who represented Spain in, back in the 60s, yeah. and she calls him Rafael with capital letters. And Eva says that her mom is a big fan of Rafael. She's such a big fan, her mom, that her dad is jealous of him. No, Uma. Sí. Sí, sí, sí. Aquel que reza cada noche por tu amor Y estoy aquí, aquí para quererte Estoy aquí, aquí para adorarte Yo estoy aquí, aquí para decir Do you have any question to Eva that you wish to ask? Do you think I have missed anything? No, I, I think you've, I mean, you've asked beyond what I would ask, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, maybe, maybe... You what did you say? Why does what she think that Spain... Sexo, sexo, sexo. Uh, no, 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 es que lo traduzco ahora. Me está preguntando, me está preguntando si, si yo creo que te debería preguntar alguna cosa más. No, no es nada. Uh, so, I think, Emil, maybe you could ask her... If, uh, what, uh, if Spain, something like, what could Spain do to improve their results? Yeah, or something yeah. like that. Great question. Ponerle 
empeño. Eva thinks that what's lacking from Spain is that they, she feels they are not 100% committed to the contest, and that's what what's really lacking. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this lovely conversation, Eva. Muchas gracias. Gracias a ti, Emi, y a Rubén, y a todos los que nos estáis... She says it was a wonderful interview, and she will never forget it in her whole life. Oh, and thanks to you, Rubén, for helping me out with translations and fabulous help with the re- research. My pleasure, Emil. Anytime. Next time we will have some wine together, all three of us in the same place. My treat. Absolutely. Dice que la próxima vez nos tomamos un vino los tres juntos. Vale, vale. Y le vendo el vestido de Eurovision. And she's going to sell you her Eurovision dress. Yeah! <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for this, guys. I hope Thank you too. to bored you with all my questions. No, me lo he pasado fantástico. She's had Genial. an amazing time. Well, okay. we keep in touch, Eva. Okay, claro que sí. Yes. Además, además que Emil tiene un traductor al español fantástico. Raúl, un millón de gracias, de verdad, Rubén, Rubén, o que te he dicho Raúl. No te preocupes, Rubén, Raúl, Ricardo, Roberto, o all those names. Realeza de Eurovisión, Eurovision Royalty for Spain. Oh, mil gracias a los dos. Thanking us both. Bye bye. Adiós, bye bye. Thank I love you. you. I love you too. Bye, bye. I love you too. Bye. Todos los hombres son tan egoístas que han confundido macho con machista. Todos los hombres son tan presumidos que han olvidado ser agradecidos. 